Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. On Highways Voices this week, well, let's let a variable message sign and in-vehicle repeater do the work, shall we? Traffic advisory from Test Team Innovation Festival, welcome. This week's Highways Voices comes from the Elkrig Innovation Festival, which brings together local authorities, central government, the supply chain, associations and academia to see the latest ideas in highways maintenance and transport technology. More than 175 local authority delegates from 70 authorities are here, meaning around two-thirds of all the English highway authorities outside of London are represented. This along with nearly 90 exhibitors. So it's a whistle-stop tour around the Innovation Festival at the Newark Showground on this week's Highways Voices, so let's get right to it. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations Elkrig, ADEPT, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. How do you cover the Innovation Festival in a 30-minute podcast? The answer is with great difficulty. So what I'm going to do now is scratch the surface of the Innovation Festival with Alec Peachy, who is content director of Elkrig, who are putting this on. Alec, you're going to kind of do the uh, Martin Brundle pit walk with me, walking around as we're going to look at what's going on uh, within the hall and then outside and just get an idea, uh, which is all we can really do. But just as we start walking, explain to me the whole concept of, of the Innovation Festival, where it came from and what we're trying to achieve these two days here in Newark. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I mean, the Innovation Festival ultimately is all about uh, showcasing new products, services and innovation within the highway sector uh, to try and help drive forward change in the industry. And this year, our overarching theme is around uh, emerging technology solutions and maintenance. And I suppose the two really do go hand in hand, particularly with Elkrig's relationship now that we have with the Transport Technology Forum, of which are obviously uh, putting on a number of demonstrations themselves at the event this year with live test track etc so it's a real opportunity as I say to kind of bring those innovations uh, to life uh, in a real working environment and what I like is the fact that we've just walked down the, uh, the middle of the uh, uh, indoor hall here and you've got next to each other asphalt fibre and then the latest in average speed camera technology there really is something for everyone here yeah, exactly, and that really does illustrate, you know, as I say, the overarching theme of the event, um, maintenance and technology solutions uh, working together hand in hand. I think innovation, and ultimately we've heard this morning from some of our uh, speakers and our panellists around when you're looking for innovation or not necessarily even looking for innovation, you're you're discovering new products and new services. Actually, the, the thing that you thought that it might be used for in the first instance can end up emerging into something completely different, and that's what's wonderful about innovation. Innovation. Um, it's not always necessarily what it's first uh, meant to do or be applied on. It can be applied in a different scenario. So it can be quite agnostic in that point of view. Let's just grab Timo Thornton from Unoptic. Timo, uh, we're looking at a traditional uh, Unoptic Specs camera here, but what's this box in front that's got uh, a Bluetooth signal, a Wi-Fi signal, and it's kind of flashing uh, green, blue and red in uh, quick succession? Uh, well, that's actually our traffic catch system. 
it doesn't really look like that, but uh, that's just uh, to, to make the display look uh, more interesting. It's actually a grey box that detects things like the tyre pressure sensors and also any radio devices that are in vehicles, including phones and Bluetooth devices and things like that. So it's a way that you can track vehicles, so you can use it for journey time, uh, instead of AMPR or you can use it alongside AMPR to, to detect that the vehicle is running the correct plates for example in, the, in a, a civil security situation. So, Thank you very much Timo. There's one example of what's going on inside the hall with Unoptic there uh, doing more than what they're known for on uh, average speed uh, enforcement and I think that's the interesting thing about wandering around and talking to companies here as we walk outside Alec is the innovation companies doing things that we didn't necessarily know was what they did you know beyond their core work but we're now coming outside and we can see uh, just in front of us is WJ a you know, massive company in the industry HRS JCB are in front of us uh, there's just a huge array of companies showing off their uh, products outside yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the size of the event has doubled from last year, which uh, just, again, you know, illustrates how much innovation there is in the road sector. And, of course, you know, it's a very challenging time for local authorities, you know, in terms of budgets and uh, cuts to, obviously, funding for roads. So, actually, it's important that, that we fully fund their places at the Innovation Festival and allow them to come and see these innovations and talk with the private sector to engage in this way uh, and to actually see the demonstrations taking place, again, in their real work and environment it really is key because they're discovering things that otherwise they wouldn't have the opportunity to see and ultimately that's what the event's all about and clearly the fact it's doubled in size means that the companies the suppliers are getting business out of this being able to show the local authorities that they are doing new innovations yeah, definitely. And one of the things that we do at the event is uh, we have a qualifying innovator process where companies are able to put their innovations into different categories, which the councils are then encouraged to score those innovations. And our infrastructure innovation board, which is made up from some key personnel in the sector, then play a part after the scores are collated uh, in the aftermath of the event and work out where there's a need, importantly, for the innovation from a local authority and then try and match them with the appropriate winner in the category so uh, and again that could come from funding or a trial or it might be that uh, there's um, experience from the sector that they could benefit from from a consultancy point of view and so on so it's really you know trying to find where the specific need is for that innovation but also allowing the councils to play a part in scoring the innovations while they're here across those different categories but of course as well sowing the seed around other innovations we've heard again this morning someone describing it as an innovation toolkit so they're obviously in some ways they're putting ideas into the back of their mind and although they may not need have a need for it immediately they may remember that they've seen something at this event and come back to it and approach that company again in the future to work out and apply that innovation for the need that uh, they need to take forward okay let's just grab another one of the exhibitors here let's talk to rob elsby from wj rob what are you showing off here today so we've got a number of vehicles with us. So one of the demos that we're doing later on is on our new pre-marking van. So normally all the pre-marking will be done by hand by operators or engineers walking the length of the carriageway. Whereas the new van that we've got with us today, using satellite location and two cameras, records where all the longitudinal markings go. And so when the council or 
tarmacs have resurfaced or surface stressed the, the road, we can go back in afterwards and do all the pre-marking as mobile works without having an operative walking the length of the carriageway installing it. So it just speeds up the process a lot more. It makes it a lot safer. You haven't got people working on the live carriageway. And with it all being GPS located, it should be more accurate as well. And finally, we were just chatting, Alec and I, about the value of events like this for the industry. Obviously, we, the three of us, used to work together at the long-lost and uh, and missed uh, Seeing is Believing event just down the road at Bruntingthorpe. This is kind of son-stroke-daughter of Seeing is Believing and is has picked up where, where that left off. Um, clearly, it's important to WJ to be here showing off your products. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people do things that they've always done, so it's good to actually bring vehicles to show this is the new way we can do it. If you work with us, we can implement better technology, more efficient ways of working and safer ways of working as well. But it's all about putting it out to show people what we're doing. And it's not unlike the November days we used to have quite as cold and wet. Rob, brilliant to see you. Thank you for your time. So, Alec, what at the end of this do you hope will be the legacy of the Innovation Festival 2023? Well, firstly, I think Rob made, Rob made a great point there. You know, this is uh, sometimes uh, with innovation, we can get into uh, or people can get into a mindset of doing what they've always done. But of course, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And really, this festival, I think, is around trying to change that mindset, you know, trying to really get people to look at innovation and take it forward, you know, take a chance. Sometimes you have to take a risk. And we also have to sometimes learn from uh, failure, you know, not be afraid of, you know, learning from those failures that can happen but we have to move as well I think um, with innovation from sometimes just trials of innovation to getting it out into the networks in real life and I think that the festival uh, will play and continue to play a key role in that in the matching of the innovators together uh, from the private sector and the public sector and that is key you know joining forces collaborating together and of course sharing that innovation and I think that really you know that is going to be going forward the the idea of the Innovation Festival and the legacy of the festival. Alec, we haven't even reached during this walk the edge of the festival, which I think just gives us an idea of how far, how big uh, it actually is this year. Um, I know how hard you and the team at Elkrig have worked on putting this together. All I'll say is congratulations and uh, enjoy day two. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for your support. Alec mentioned there the TTF's demonstrations that take place on the test track here. So I jumped in the demo car with KL Systems owner George Brown and first TTF Connected Vehicle Working Group Chair Andy Graham of White Willow Consulting to check them out. So we've just left a virtual parking space that's been set up by Grid with one of their signs that when we come back the allowed number plate for our parking space will have changed and we will have a, a virtual delivery spot. Great, and we're coming out Traffic towards the VMS. Test team, J6, 7 miles, 10 minutes, J9, 9 miles, 30 minutes. So this is a temporary sign from our friends at SRL, Renters. And we heard journey times there, but the the actual demos we're driving around the two days here in Newark is going to be different, so you can show the flexibility uh, of the virtual sign uh, mirroring what's on the physical sign. Yeah, but the key point is you don't always need to have a physical sign. We can move on physical signs around and whatever. Um, so there's a whole like, coast of road safety and other messages could be put on without having to go and put a sign up. 
And George, we're going to see one of those, I believe, as we drive along this part of the track. We're driving towards a pedestrian crossing and something clever is going to happen any second. This is emulating a pedestrian crossing and the, the, the demonstration here is, is, one, is what we call um, a, a, a variable speed sign activation, um, where if you're going too fast, as you approach the pedestrian crossing, you'll get the message. If you're going slow, you won't, you won't get a message at all. So you're warning drivers who are, who are going a bit too fast as they approach the crossing. So okay, let's put our foot down and see what happens. Yeah, we'll put our foot down. Traffic advisory from test team. Slow down, pedestrian crossing ahead. And there we go, there is the uh, warning. advisory from test team. Warning, sharp bend. And then again, there's no physical sign here, but you've got a warning in car about a more than 90 degree bend that we're going round. Yeah, so the warning for really for static hazards, really, that, that's um, on the road network, like a sharp bend. <coughs> uh, in front of us now is, is another type of um, virtual BMS warning for roadworks. So Traffic advisory from test team, slow down, roadworks ahead. And the key thing here is it's both coming up on the head unit, but it's also uh, speaking to you, so it's it's got the safety of reducing distraction. Built into the car, and appearing on the screen, as part of navigation in the vehicle. Yes, this isn't an app that you need to use instead of sat-nav, this is an app that you use on top of sat-nav. Of course, things are changing all the time, and a great example is warnings about clean air zones and ULEs, and uh, you've got a demo to show that off as well, George. Entering simulated clean air zone. What we're doing with the clean air zone is we're setting, setting up uh, zones in space which can be of any complexity. I, they, 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 we have these set up in Portsmouth and, and Newcastle to actually model the exact clean air zone. When you drive into the zone, you get a warning in the car that you've entered it. You get told when you exit it as well. So you know, you know when you've entered the zone. That's defining zones as polygons. And I'm going to preempt one immediate question that somebody might think when they hear about the warning of entering the clean air zone. It goes without saying that you can also put in warnings that you are approaching a clean air zone so you can avoid driving into it before you do. Yes. The world is your oyster in terms of what you could do with virtual signing. Whatever you can do physical signing, but also bear in mind that tying it in with the sat-nav means that you can do far more. The danger we've got is making sure we don't overwhelm the driver, that we do it in such a way that the driver doesn't think, oh, do you get more blooming messages on my sat-nav? But also that we achieve it safely and we also do it without it contradicting the sat-nav's instructions. Um, and George and other people have done some good work in making sure that you don't overload the driver in, in vehicle, but there's still some way to go. But in terms of from where we've come, since we showed this off on a test track, in the autumn and uh, about 18 months ago on London to Brighton run. I think uh, there's been some substantial progress and uh, I'm, I'm convinced it's a major contribution to road safety. The next demo is uh, the, the cyclist, which at the moment is static, but you can have moving as well. Yes, Anthony Galley's app is a Traffic advisory detection. from test team, warning, cyclist, slow. And there we are. So at the moment we have a, as you say, a fixed cyclist. And the other thing that we should say is that all of this uh, test track has been monitored by Navtech radar with their stop vehicle detection radar. And what we can show is the integration of 
uh, things like e-call with stop vehicle detection radar. Okay, so where NavTech radar can be uh, monitoring the, the track for things like wrong way driving, things like pedestrians, and also we'll be stopping the vehicle and they'll be detecting the stop vehicle. So we show that you can have infrastructure that's detecting vehicles and connection between vehicles and infrastructure. Brilliant. Right, Andy, there's one other thing that we're about to drive past uh, a black VW that simulated it's been involved in an accident, and I want to know more about that with the button you can press. So let's do that in a moment. But George, take us back to the demo hall now, and we'll, I understand, hear and see a virtual VMS that is showing off how you can have a sign in your vehicle without actually having to spend the money on a physical sign on the side of the road. Traffic advisory from test team, caution, accident, black spot. So this is a virtual sign that's been put in place to, to represent a, a location where there's a high incidence of, of problems on the road network and um, black spot. Traffic advisory from test team, demonstration completed, thank you. Brilliant, thanks very much, uh, fantastic demo. If you're at uh, Newark, uh, then make sure you do come out and test this out because it is a terrific thing to see so many different solutions. Uh, George, Andy, thank you very much. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. One other thing that's been really impressive to show off is the e-call solution that Andy Graham and his colleagues at Vsos have delivered. Now, e-call is where your car will call the emergency services. Either you press the SOS button yourself that's been fitted in every new car and van since 2018, or when you're airbag goes off then it will phone immediately the uh, emergency services and inform them of a serious accident so andy what's the key thing that you're showing off here in newark um, about e-call and your solution so so what we're showing here is two things really one is the fact that we can start to capture data that we simulated with darren's car where we simulated his airbags going off and put a message that wards drivers ahead that that um, vehicle has stopped. You can't drive when your airbags have gone off. But secondly, as we're about to demonstrate now, that we can use a test box to generate a really cool message and get it into a vehicle that's about to, to come across that vehicle in sort of seven or eight seconds, which is far, far faster than you get when you talk to the police without using the data. So you've got this box here. Uh, the, the sound quality isn't great on this, but we'll do our best with it. Press the SOS button for us. So Andy has pressed the SOS button and it's now flashing, so it is now making the SOS. Um, Anthony, who's about 30 yards away from us uh, with a phone, is going to play the part of the um, emergency services. So. And how long did that take between you pressing the button and then the email appearing on your phone? Traffic advisory from test team. Caution, e-call activated ahead. Slow down, Volkswagen to Arik hatchback. Well, it was as long as that. So it really was a matter of seconds between the warning. And the interesting thing is the, the fact it's a Volkswagen was based on the data that is coming out of the e-call that is fitted in the car. Exactly. Yeah. So the answer to your question was it took 15 seconds for the pressing the button to Anthony answering it. 
and then it took five seconds from Anthony answering it to the message appearing in George's car. So when you think of the time difference, that could be a real lifesaver. Indeed. And uh, I'm just going to show this to our independent judge called uh, Darren Capes, who will look at the uh, point at which we have apparently fired off the airbag, airbag and I think you would uh, confirm that that's where we are, Darren. That absolutely is where we are, yes. So, they are five seconds after the data was received, we have put a message into the vehicle and we could also have sent an email to the police, fire brigade or national highways with a map of where the location of the vehicle was and its vehicle details. Another cutting edge solution being demonstrated here at the Innovation Festival. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. So Andy mentioned about the fact that you can have dynamic parking management uh, using the Grid Smarter Cities solution. So I've been joined by Commercial Development Manager at Grid Smarter Cities, Laura Jacklin, to find out more. We're standing next to a dynamic sign with a load of registration numbers on it. Laura, explain what we're seeing. So you're seeing an e-ink sign that we put next to our bookable bays and the sign is there to kind of validate who has reserved so that other users of that space can actually see who's booked the space. And local authorities have said this is quite useful for them so that they can make sure enforcement is done correctly and also it's a soft enforcement. So you can see that someone's booked in there. So if you're illegally parking into that spot, you know that you're causing a hindrance. So the sign is there. It can be updated every two minutes. Um, so it's very live um, and it links in with our with our bookable platform. And the bookable platform at the moment is mainly for deliveries, isn't it? Yeah, so it's for freight users mostly because they are the ones currently saying that they need space at the curbside for a lot longer than, than most users. But it could be used for disabled users, it could be used for any kind of curbside space for a bookable aspect. Could it actually, in theory, be used in a car park? Because I could imagine that the horrors of shopping, which is something that I enjoy probably as much as sticking pins in my <laughs> eyes, if I were able to turn up at a shopping centre and have a space allocated for me with my reg I can park in there for four hours a that gives me somewhere to uh, park and b that gives me an end time that I can get out of shopping that sounds a really good idea for me yeah so it can be used for shopping it can also be used to interlink with potentially charging points for example so a lot of people say that when they get to a car park they might not be able to find the right space or they might not be able to charge up so the idea is that the sign allocates itself to showing other people and other users that that bay is in use for someone in particular. Um, it's all great to have things on the app. Um, everyone has a parking app. Everyone has other apps to see what's happening. But that app doesn't show other users of that space who would be in that space. So that's the reason why the digital sign is really helpful. And this is roughly the first time that it's been seen by the industry in an event like this? Yeah, so the only other place that they currently are is um, at Bankside Pier, um, where we have a live trial currently going on and we have some more coming, but this will be the first time the industry sees um, the e-ink sign being used for this. They have been used for bus stops um, and things like that, giving information, but this would be the live demonstration of it on a live platform and linking it with technology. And the final thing I'll say is you have to work out what the registration 
registration numbers are on there there is a reason that they are there that we will find out about later in the week here in newark laura thanks for explaining it thank you you're listening to highways voices a podcast from highways news the daily news service about the highways and transport technology industries we really are the only place you need to go for everything you need to know this is paul hutton reporting from the el creek innovation festival and let's pop back inside the exhibition hall If you're a regular listener to Highways Voices, you will know that I will occasionally drop into our conversations. I got into this industry over 20 years ago when I started running the operations in radio traffic news companies. And in fact, for a while, I ran a radio traffic news company that involved an operation in Plymouth where we flew a little plane round looking at the traffic and we did uh, traffic reports for various local radio stations. And the person who ran the Plymouth office was Sally Reader and of all things I'm walking through the middle of the Innovation Festival and who do I bump into but Sally Reader who is now working for Society Works. So Society Works has got a fantastic solution that if you run a local authority highways department I wager you will need if you don't have already but first of all before we get on to that particular product Sally A fantastic to see you my friend and B uh, tell me about Society Works. Uh, So Society Works are wholly owned by a charity called My Society, uh, which means we're not for profit. And we're about to basically help citizens become active, to to hold local authorities to account, and also enable people to be able to report issues to authorities in the public domain so everybody can see everything. We run a number of uh, free-to-use web pages, such as What Do They Know and They Work For You, but we also have a commercial arm, which are the products that benefit both citizens and councils at the same time Uh, and the main one of that and the reason why we're here today is uh, fixmystreet.com tell me about fix my street what it's doing so basically fixmystreet.com was one of the original sites uh, that we set up and it's it basically enables citizens to report potholes problems with street lights problems with traffic lights So it's a real easy way to report things. Um, It meets all accessibility standards and it's to make it easy for citizens to make reports, basically. Those reports then get sent directly to the authority that are responsible. So as a member of the public, it doesn't matter if you don't know who the responsible person is. That's all contained in our map. And we built that as a free national service for everybody to use. Then councils started approaching us and saying, oh, this is pretty neat. Can we have our own version of this? So we said, of course you can. So now we work uh, with around 35 different authorities and clients. They have their own version of Fix My Street. It maintains the simplicity for the users, integrates directly with back-end systems. So it gets rid of admin burden, closes the feedback loop, and it just makes it... It's easy and friendly for citizens and it's open and transparent and it saves time and costs for local authorities. If you're a local authority, can't you just use the free bit that the citizens are using? So you can. Uh, If you use the free bit, it will simply send an email to your authority, whatever your generic email address is. If you've got your own version, 
it's all branded up so it looks like part of your website but also you get all the extra features included with it so you can integrate it directly with your back-end system uh, you can get duplicate reports marked on the map you can customize the map you can put your assets into it so if somebody's reporting a street light not only do you put a pin in the map but you can literally pick the street light that you're talking about which obviously for your resolution teams is an authority that means that your admin processes are greatly reduced you can put photos on the reports so often officers are able to triage reports without even leaving their desk imagine how much money that saves and just looking at some of the uh, councils you've got on here rutland hackney oxfordshire brent southwark lincolnshire bath and northeast northeast somerset bexley so you've got a real mix between traditional counties unitaries and then london boroughs as well and that's the thing whilst it is an off-the-shelf package it's very customizable so if you look at you know if you look at all of these clients all of their fix my street pros when you first hit the site looks very similar but once you get into it they all use it in very different ways Bromley were one of our original doctors of Fix My Street Pro so we've done an awful lot of work with them so they use it very much to its full potential they use it for highways they use it for cleansing they use it for parks and green spaces Bucks are another council they're now a unitary council so we've done a lot of work with them about triaging reports automatically to their parish and district councils because that was a problem that they were having Um, and it's good working with all the different types of councils and highways authorities because the more you work with them the more we learn when we you know we are continually developing the project the product so if we do a development because one person wants it and we think it might be good for everybody else then everybody gets it you know and that's the joy of being a kind of not-for-profit organization is that yes of course we need to pay for things but we're not lining somebody's pockets and pleasing shareholders all the money that we make goes back into the charity so anything we can do to make our product better we just do it sally fantastic to see you looking forward this goes out wednesday morning but between wednesday morning and now there is tuesday night social here at newark showground i look forward to grabbing a couple of drinks and reminiscing of course don't forget to subscribe to highways voices to keep up to date with the latest edition we're on your favorite podcast platform Always good to come to an event like this and bump into an old friend. And I've met up with Neil Levitt, who is advisor to a wide range of companies, helping them develop their businesses in the highway sector. One of the companies he works with is Kylie Brothers. And uh, this week, Kylie Brothers are up for two awards on the Innovation Trail. Uh, One of them is very fine blue uh, coating onto the road surface to actually in this case uh, mark out disabled bays Uh, Neil explain what's different about this the product that we're looking at here is called Kylie Glassmark it's uh, a new product that they've brought into the UK um, to help local authorities cut down their carbon emissions because instead of having a proprietary mined aggregate um, in the coloured surface there which gives the uh, friction and the skid resistance this is actually recycled consumer and industrial grade um, glass that's been used in everything from microwaves to mobile phones to um, mo- uh, to screens and monitors so uh, it's been pulverised and refined down to a very small uh, aggregate size that you'd expect to see 
and it's blended in and uh, it gives a lot greater vibrancy as you can see here with the colours that you're getting because the glass has got a translucent property so the, the resin is, is showing through the glass as the wearing course um, wears over it. And this is the Innovation Festival so I presume that this which strikes me as something I would have thought would have been going for years is actually a brand new concept. It, it's certainly uh, new to what we've brought in for this particular product. It's a product that was originally developed over in America. We uh, negotiated to bring in the exclusive distribution rights for it for Kylie Brothers. Uh, so we did the first laydown test here, as you can see outside the uh, Elkrig Innovation Festival here. Feedback's been absolutely fantastic because it's so vibrant with the colours that they can achieve. And they can actually match it to any Pantone colour that people wanted to do either. So it's good for cycleways, footpaths, uh, parking bays, as you can see here, EV charging bays. And it really retains that vibrancy and colour. And this isn't the only thing the company's showing off. Over amongst the other outdoor demonstrations and exhibits, uh, what else are you showing? So as part of their plans of uh, scouring the world for new products for local authorities to, to bring to market, they've got their new multi-patcher, which is a, um, a surface dress pothole repair machine all in one that's been developed in Australia. The first one has just been arriving here in the UK for ready for its field trials, but the, the products have been used over there for 20 years. So it's actually capable of uh, filling in the potholes. What they're doing there is they're doing it from the cab. So it means nobody has to get out of the vehicle. It's all automated with a boom arm at the front. And then there's a, uh, a different width surface dressing um, spreader at the back which means that uh, once you've sealed the pothole and you've filled the pothole you can then seal it with a surface dress if there's a few of them as well so a really truly innovative product reduces uh, the need for people to be in the carriageway quicker faster safer and greener highways voices the podcast from highwaysnews.com now there's no way that i can get around every single one of the innovators here in the innovation festival as i said with alec at the beginning but there are a few things that uh, leap out at me one of the ones I really like, I've become over the years quite an advocate for uh, the solar road studs that provide road safety and environmental benefits by just making it nicer to drive on the road in the dark. Uh, that's produced by Clearview Intelligence. But what's made me stop at their stand here within uh, the Innovation Festival is the fact that they're now looking at a connected solution and developing that. And that's one of the ideas they put forward for an award within the Innovation Festival. So to find out more about the idea, let's talk to Alistair King, who is Head of Product Management at Clearview Intelligence. Uh, Alistair, always good to see you. So what's the big idea? Well, actually, Paul, uh, we've got two big ideas this year. So we've come to the Innovation Festival really trying to show off the innovative R&D side of the business as well. We've got an in-house R&D team. Um, and we've got two different innovations on our stand, one of which is brand new. Uh, and the other is a very similar format to what a lot of people might know Clearview Intelligence for. Um, so we have our solar light active road stud on the table here. Um, and this is a product that Clearview have sold for the last 20 years or so. Uh, in effect, just giving a very brief overview, it's to delineate routes in the hours of darkness. Uh, when the sun goes down, an active LED 
uh, shines, it illuminates the road ahead for a driver, and then when the sun comes up, it goes off, and you've got all the roadster benefits of the retroreflective performance. The innovation that we're bringing here today, in effect, is now a microprocessor inside, which means we can communicate with that stud uh, outside uh, being local to the environment. So all of a sudden into our data collection platform, you'll be able to see the state of the studs, whether they're on or off. You'll be able to actively turn them on or off if you believe that you know there's a reason to do so. And equally, within our Insight Data Collection platform, we'll be able to merge weather data with road studs live. So if we know that there's poor weather in an area, we'll be able to turn the road studs on for you. So, But the next step, surely, could be that you could actually talk from the road stud to the vehicle if you can agree the right communications platform to do it. Yeah, we've taken it as far as uh, you know. We th- we think that we can at the moment. Um, that would obviously be the ideal end goal, wouldn't it? But uh, yeah, let's let's have a look at connected vehicles in that space as it goes forward. Well, there you go. There's me already chucking loads of extra ideas on your R and D team. I'm sure they're thrilled. Uh, Pathlight, tell me about that. Well, okay, so Pathlight, uh, we've really brought something quite innovative to the show, and I'm very, very proud to have this on our stand. Um, This is a brainchild of mine over the last two years. In effect, we're taking all the fun stuff, all the technology that we are proven with in our active road stud, um, and we've taken the, you know, the components inside, and we've essentially reprofiled that for the benefits of pedestrians and cyclists. So we're looking at active travel routes. Um, It's a very thin depth. You've got about 30 mil, so we know that we're going to meet all the requirements to to core into uh, you know your standard pedestrian footpaths and cycleways Uh, but i'm really proud about the optical work actually so we've looked at the lensing and how we can get the light out best Um, we've got 360 light output visibility but the real trick here is that from above you won't be able to see a thing so it's all about delineating the route for pedestrians as they go along a path not above it It's a nice idea. So what's the advantage of that? Why do you need that particular bit of innovation? So that that part of the study is all about wildlife and impact on the environment. Um, But really as a wider piece to all of this, it's about using sustainable energy. So we're using solar power. We've got batteries in there. Once it's installed, you don't have to touch it for eight years. And you've got all of the benefits of pedestrian and cycle delineation on the route. And although this isn't as part of the innovation, I just want to ask you quickly about this green box here that again fits with uh, walking and cycling. Yeah, absolutely. Still on the active travel um, sort of topic of the you know the business. Um, the Connects Active we launched a couple of years ago, halfway through COVID. Um, in effect, it's account classifier for pedestrians and cyclists. Um, so we had Milton Keynes on the stand this morning. We were talking about using them on their redways, for example. They've already got some units installed and they're really keen. They like the data output. Um, yeah, looking at virtual lanes. So the ability to count classify pedestrians and cyclists at certain stages of your your pathway your cycleway not just a generic data set of what's gone past it so yeah really keen to talk to any other authorities that would like to know more about active travel use and and who's using their network fantastic innovations here on the clearview stand in newark alistair always good to chat thanks for your time highways voices the podcast from highwaysnews.com highwaysnews.com So on Highways Voices, we've heard a lot about the connected vehicle demonstrations being put on by the Transport Technology Forum's 
Connected Vehicles Working Group. And uh, Andy Graham has done an awful lot of work with uh, George Brown and various others on delivering this. Overseeing the whole of the TTF is Darren Capes, TTF manager and ITS policy lead from the Department for Transport. Uh, Darren, thanks for joining me. I just wanted to sort of suggest to you that actually here we are at the Elkrig Innovation Festival, which this year has this major TTF presence. Um, I think just stepping back and looking at the way the event is running, what a sensible idea for TTF to work so closely with Elkrig, given TTF's remit. I think you're right, and I think I think we, we have kind of a slightly false uh, a false division between the, the the innovation that's happening in highways and maintenance and the innovation that's happening around vehicles and technology. And it, and it is it is I believe false because fundamentally we are all talking about about basic services such as better data, better standards, better sharing of services, and whether that's to do with how you measure the road to decide which potholes you fix or, where, or, or how you measure the road to decide where connected vehicles could run I think it's fundamentally the same and I, and I, think, I think it's important that both the public and private sector see that yeah, your colleague from the DFT, Matt Eglinton, was in a panel session with you a little bit earlier here in Newark, and he was saying that, you know, there is this kind of mis- misconception that the only thing that matters is potholes, but let's actually suggest that if you're in a local authority and you've got the elected officials telling you you've got to sort potholes, you've got to sort potholes, technology can make that so much easier to do. It can, and a lot of the innovation around that, and a lot of that 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 quite right impetus on on on. Let's understand more about the roads. Let's understand more about about what needs fixing. Let's fix things in the right order. A lot of that impetus will come from companies that currently aren't aren't selling services around roads maintenance. They will come from services that from companies that offer services around things such as data collection, AI, uh, modelling from video. These types of things, which 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 are being delivered through connected vehicles. We we see that connected vehicles will, and as soon as we get to autonomous and self driving vehicles, they will need really high quality. Uh, LiDAR and video understanding of the road network in order to be able to drive. Now that same LiDAR and video that you collect can also tell you where the potholes are, where the road markings are that need repairing. It provides a source of data that, that you can use and, and we should start to see that more and we should start to realise that, that actually this is all really the same thing. TTF is to bridge the gap between your job in central government and local authorities and the boots on the ground making the roads work in local authorities. And I'm just interested in your reflection of 30 years in a local authority before you moved over to the DFT. How much do you wish something like the TTF had been around when you were first in, uh, in doing the job within places you worked? Well, I think, firstly, thank you for reminding me it has been 30 years that I worked for local authorities. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I would like to say that I, I'd wish this had always been around, but I think in the past we did have things like this. And, and in some ways what we're doing now is recreating some, some stuff we used to have in the past. And, 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 and we did have, maybe, uh, the government in the past did, when, when, when the motorways and the trunk roads were actually run and owned by the government centrally rather than through an agency, the, the, the government did provide a lot more leadership and pathfinding around how we should do things. Now, of course, 30 years ago, it wasn't so much around technology, it was about how we design roads and how we maintain them. But government did do a lot of that pathfinding and did put a lot of money through, it, through the highways agency as it was, and, and, and even earlier than that, into doing that. 
and, and, and recently that's changed and, and, and the way that we deliver the National Highway Network now means that that doesn't really happen and, and in some ways the TTF is about recreating that, that central pathfinding and that ability for government to, to not, not, not dictate but, but to say this is the guidance we think you should do these are the things we think you should be following these are areas where we see expertise where we see good practice that we should be sharing and, and, and collaborating around so in some ways it's, it, it's about recreating things that people of my age may well remember from, from many years ago Darren, always good to talk. We've talked about Elkrig. I think it's time to catch up with the new chief executive of Elkrig, who's somewhere inside the, the exhibition hall. And as I was walking into the exhibition hall to find the new CEO of Elkrig, she was walking out. So we're just going to walk over to the demo area together. Welcome Paula Clayton-Smith, who is, um, as of, well, Tuesday morning, the new chief executive of Elkrig. But you're not new to the organisation, are you, Paula? No not at all I joined well actually I was on the original sort of board for El Craig probably about six or seven years and then joined El Craig full time um, sorry I'm just really distracted by the fact that we're walking past a trial area and there's an autonomous uh, road um, roller moving around on its own I mean that's pretty incredible and we're trusting it enough to walk in front of it <laughs> well there is barriers around it to be <laughs> fair um, yeah so I joined El Craig last May and uh, it's been uh, quite a ride really it's a fantastic organisation and when Martin and the team asked if I would you know move to be CEO full time so we could do more we could expand more we could grow um, it was an absolute you know I know it's an overused term but complete no brainer well, it is interesting, I was going to say, about the fact that it shows a level of maturity now in Elkrig that you need a full-time CEO, you need somebody who's got your experience. You've run a private company recently, you've run goodness knows how many uh, council-related departments, so you really get it from both the suppliers that we're looking at in front of us here and the local authorities that are here finding out all about the innovation. And I've also been in the charity sector. I've also, for a brief period of time, stood in local elections. There's something quite useful about knowing those different perspectives. And I think the other thing is that, for me, Elkrig is as much about local authorities as it is supply chain, innovative people bringing new products to the market, and everything else that, that there is to, to see and encourage councils to look at, really. And what's good is the fact that you get it from a council perspective because suppliers might think well the council should buy this and the council should buy that and you you actually follow what the challenges are that the councils have so you can see it from both sides yeah absolutely and i think there is nothing like when i remember when i was in a local authority and the fact that you've been your you've had your budget salami sliced for so many years sometimes that forces you to be more creative but other times it does make you sort of despair and you sometimes sort of sit down with your head down and don't look above the parapet but actually looking above the parapet means that you get to see what other people are doing you can compare their innovations how it's working on their networks and everything else so I think for me it's that that sort of knowledge and experience that that I think I'd like to think hope I hope you know means that when I'm speaking to a local authority they'll be able to sort of say yeah she's been there she's got the t-shirt and and it's a pretty raggedy t-shirt but because you know local government is a is a challenging but a really good place to work. 
what are your ideas then? Oh, wow. So I think some of my big ideas are more of what we do well at, which is, you know, more of, of, of expanding the events that we do, but making them, you know, more of the interesting things that local authorities want to hear about from other local authorities. I think for me, the Innovation Festival, if we look at it this year, it's, it's what, double the size of last year's Innovation Festival. I can see this practically being the whole showground at some point, you know, being the, the place you come when you want to see new products coming to the market and you want to keep abreast of things so there's a lot really and also want to work with authorities that perhaps haven't um, you know taken part in some of the Elk Creek activities but equally on the supply chain side you know we've we've recently sort of done some work with the Institute for Collaborative Working so we're doing more with the um, National Highways around collaborative working the supply chain but also I think one of the big big um, innovations that uh, Martin Duffy was talking about this morning was the innovation procurement system. I mean, that has all the the hallmarks of being the biggest change in the sector for council to be able to procure actually new innovations and, and doing that with Crown Commercial Services, I think, is, is a really big deal. Fantastic. Elkrig is in fantastic hands. It's growing and it's becoming such an important part of the industry, which has been shown here in Newark this week at the Innovation Festival. This podcast could only really scratch the surface, as I said at the beginning, of all that's going on. If if you're here, I hope this has given you a good reflection as to what we've seen here in Newark. If you're not here, then mark your calendar exactly. Mark your calendar for next year and make sure you're at the Innovation Festival. It really is one of the must-attend events in the calendar. You, you really can't miss it and you have a great time while you're here as well. So it's work and play. And also for me, if there's other innovations you want us to sort of try and encourage to be here next year, let us know, you know, so we can get those here. If there's something you think we should be trying to get, speak to us. Paula Clayton-Smith rounds off today's Highways Voices here at the Newark Showground. And you know what? As we've walked across, we've just found an ice cream van. Fancy an ice cream in the sunshine? Oh, I'd love an ice cream. I'll catch you next week on Highways Voices. Thanks for listening. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry.